of FastingLane.com, and I am here being coached through a three-day fast with Megan Ramos of TheFastingMethod.com. Megan, let's talk about the important stuff. How was your anniversary? Because I saw your food, and I was very jealous. I know. I should have posted a disclaimer, like, do not continue on my Instagram stories if you are fasting. Um, it was it was great. We had a really relaxing day, and we had a great dinner, and they actually served us bone broth before our meal. Um, was it like bone broth tea? Was that the thing that you put? What the heck is bone yeah. broth tea? That sounds so awful. It was chicken. No, actually, it's really good. It was uh, some sort of uh, chicken bone broth with some sort of smoke, like hickory smoke flavored tea. Um, and you couldn't really taste the tea. It just tasted like well-seasoned bone broth. So they gave okay. us these little cups. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. So anyways, we had we had a, a fabulous, uh, fabulous feast. Um, I'll be ready to fast next week. <laughs> I love that. I like the fact, like, I like that people are making bone broth fancy now. And I've thought of doing these new recordings about making food called bougie keto, where I can like make <laughs> regular food that I make look fancy and we'll, we'll see how that goes. So I'm so glad you had a good anniversary. All right, guys, we are back here for our third day. Yeah. Today is the third day. Uh, we started on new year's Eve and I finished eating at 7 PM central time. So I will be eating tonight at 7 PM central time. Um, I had an awful time last night, uh, yesterday afternoon. And I actually went to the Facebook obesity code group for support and it was really helpful. So I'm going to talk first about how do you know when it's time to end a fast uh, mm -hmm. and, and get Megan's opinion on this. And then I want to talk about the different ways people choose to get support and the different options there are for that. So let's start with this. Yesterday, Megan, for about three hours, I was really angry um, and sad. I... I had a friend that died and I'm going to her funeral this morning and she's not my best friend and she's not my husband and she's not my mom. And, and, and it's, it's a friend that I've, I've known for, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, and she was just awesome. And I feel sad and she was 51 and, uh, I feel angry. So I really struggled fasting yesterday afternoon even though I had no physical problems. So I had no issues. Like I drank my pickle juice. I drank my bone broth. I had coffee. I was hungry, but I would say physically, this has definitely been the easiest fast I've ever done. But emotionally I felt really angry and, and felt like if I could eat, it would give me comfort. So my question to you is how do you handle these things and how do you figure out when you call the fast or, or when you don't? Cause I was, I was really conflicted about it. It's, it's tough. Um, you know, uh, first of all, a lot of people, they, um, when they go through a stressful time and then they eat and then they feel like that maybe they don't have willpower. So they start to become pretty hard on themselves. But first I want everyone to understand that this is a normal physiological response. When you are experiencing stress, whether it's good stress, like a wedding, um, or it's bad stress, like mourning the loss of a, a friend, or a physical stress, you hurt your shoulder, you've got the flu, um, your body's gonna produce cortisol. And cortisol helps your body cope with the stress, but what it does is it also raises your blood sugar levels, which in turn raises your insulin levels. And that raises your primary hunger hormone. 
So you're, there's, your body is going to be physiologically hungry. It's not that you're upset and you want to eat to make yourself feel better necessarily emotionally. It's a physiological desire to eat. Your body's driving you to want to eat. And then these high processed foods, these refined carbohydrates and, and processed starches, they also have a, like a, a sort of a, positive short-term positive response by the brain in terms of neurotransmitters that are produced too so you you're upset or you're struggling with stress in whatever capacity you're physically physically hungry and your body knows from past experiences that these foods will give you a temporary pick-me-up because you know eating a slice of pizza will have the same response on the brain as like taking a hit of cocaine for for a drug addict. So it's it's tough. So your body knows these foods can do that. So you're gonna be even driven more physiologically to wanna eat these quote unquote comfort foods, these highly processed and refined foods. So it's it's really, really tough. So you know, when people are experiencing stress, one one of two things. Um, you know, I say think about how like how how is the stress you know is it a short-term stress is it a long-term stress um like how impacted is your day-to-day -day life over this stress right now and if your day-to-day -day life isn't tremendously impacted on the stress you're not driving around picking kids up from school visiting parents at the hospital going to their home taking care of their home coming home you know helping out with the spouse getting the kids in the bed you know dealing with someone's financial affairs, like if your day is not totally consumed by it, then I encourage people to try to push through with their fasts, but just think about that food and think about how it's going to make them feel. You know, so for, for me, pizza is a comfort food, but I know that 30 minutes after eating it, I go from feeling really high to feeling lower than I did before I had the pizza. So I go from feeling emotionally upset to now emotionally and physically upset because I was experienced this high and this low and my body's having a negative reaction. Is that 30 minutes of feeling a high worthwhile for a day or two of feeling that low? Or is there something better that you can have, like a ribeye or like a pound of bacon? You know, something else that you find a lot of comfort in. Or just if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, binging on macadamia nuts and almond butter. You know, just some, some of these craving foods that also provide us with comfort that aren't going to let us sort of hit rock bottom. So first I encourage people, you know, if it's really it's more of a short-term acute period of stress and your whole day is not uh, up are up, uh, ripped from under your feet, uh, I can't think of the word right now, then just try to push through with the fast and think about how positive you're gonna feel having fasted through this. And try just to visualize yourself. Like Eve, it's like, I'm, I've hit the 72 hour fast mark, I did three days and I went through all this crap, but I still did three days. Like, and how awesome you're gonna feel tomorrow night when you go to break through your fast. And then just really try to get that mental image of you yourself excited happy you know like 
giving Levi a high five before you break your fast with the steak. Um, but if your stress is more chronic, then I encourage people to fat fast instead. You know, picking those fatty foods like bacon, like ribeyes that you know, do provide you with some comfort, but aren't going to leave you physically feeling un unwell. So it sort of depends. And even chronic stress, I've worked with so many people and after our bodies acclimate to chronic stress. Um, so I've, eventually a couple months down the road, you'll be ready to refocus on your health and get off the, the fat fasting bandwagon. Um, but just really try to think about the impacts that these terrible foods have because are they is really 30 minutes of feeling good worthwhile 30 hours of feeling terrible. So Megan, thank you so much for that. And guys, if you're just hearing about a fat fast for the first time, I want you to go to thefastingmethod.com and search their blog. Megan has a really exceptional piece about how to fat fast, how to get back on track when you've been off track. And, and you can find that at thefastingmethod.com. It's definitely helped me many times. Um, so I, I hear you, Megan, and it sounds like there are times to end a fast. Uh, there are physical times, there are mental times, and every person has to be aware and make that decision and be honest with themselves. Um, I posted in the Facebook Obesity Code group last night, and I really appreciate all the support. And there were a lot of people like, just end it and grieve, you know, end the fast and grieve, you can fast later, which is a perfectly acceptable thing to do. And a lot of people were like, just push through and get till tomorrow and, and that. And so I found those uh, answers and those posts really helpful. And my family hung out with me for a while and I cried and I got through it. it. It took four or five hours to not be pissed and to stop wanting to eat. One thing I have learned um, that has happened to me during my practice of fasting is, is like a year and a half ago when I first started fasting, I was already doing low carb and keto. So I was pretty fat adapted. But when I would get frustrated about fasting or when I would I guess I didn't understand about those hormones until you just said it, Megan, I would crave things I didn't typically eat. I would crave cake. I would crave pizza. And those were things I didn't typically eat. And now look, I'm a slow learner a year and a half in yesterday when I wanted to eat, I wanted tuna salad. I wanted a ribeye and I wanted bacon and avocado and cheese. Um, because I knew, I know when I eat those things, I feel good. And now for the first time, my body is like at least craving things that are, are good for me, that make me feel good. So does that, does that happen? Like do people eventually start craving what they're supposed to and why did it take me so damn long? And can you explain that? I think it's just a process your body has to go through. Like you have to eat these foods enough time to develop a fondness for them and a comfort uh, or level of comfort with them. But yeah. it's, it's just one of those lessons that that takes, takes time. You know, I work with people a little, all over and you hear every now and then like two years into it i was really upset the other day but instead of going for that cake i went for that bacon or i scrambled some eggs or i you know had a bowl of heavy whipped cream with some berries and i didn't eat that tub of ice cream and it's pretty remarkable or you get to the point where um it's really easy to reason yourself out of wanting something bad if your initial like habit is to gravitate for something like pizza or like cake um but then you say oh wait a minute like that's gonna leave me feeling terrible what makes me feel good and the recall for something that makes you feel good happens like a reflex like it just automatically happens and that whole oops, sorry i think eve that was our our book guy calling me 
but it's it, the whole thought process then goes from you know being this 30 minute argument with the you know your left side and right side the devil and the angel to just yeah. being like a 30 second self-talk so that just that comes with time and it comes with practice most people that come into our program they say you know okay how long is it going to take me to really reverse this and adopt this lifestyle and we usually say about one and a half to two years because you have to go through your first holiday season your first birthday your first funeral your first family illness your first vacation um and your first you know uh, bad traffic experience um to learn that okay i i gravitate towards these foods and you start to become aware and when you're aware of what your issues are that's you know three quarters of the battle and then you can start to say, okay, I'm stressed out. So instead of eating cake, I am going to eat a nice ribeye. And then you are much better prepared for the next time. So it takes a couple of years to actually adopt this into, into your lifestyle. Dude, Megan, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> it takes time. <laughs> I thought I was just slow. I thought I was just like an underachiever in this one way. Okay, got it. So let's talk about support. Um, I got through this moment yesterday and I want to talk about the levels of support that are available. So one of the best things about fasting is that it is available to anyone, whether they have money or they don't have money. It doesn't require you to buy anything. And I think there's very things we can look at in this world that is an equalizer that gives people equal opportunity towards improving their health. And that's one of the main reasons I am excited about fasting. So I have experienced times where I have needed a higher level of support. That's why the fasting method made sense for me. And that's why paying for it makes sense for me. And I'm at a time in my life where I have the money to do it. I've been in other times in my life where I, I wouldn't have had the money to do it. And the way I would have done it is I would have gotten the free information from the fastingmethod.com and the free information from fastinglane.com. And I would have read the obesity code. I would have borrowed it from the library. I would have done what I needed to do to have access to that information. So no matter what point you're at at your life, um, there are so many free resources from people that actually care. I think Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos were the first ones that I have found and definitely my main resources. But since then, I have met a lot of different people out there that I've researched that I trust and I go to, and I want you to do the same thing. And I don't even want to just like be like, it's all these people, like what works for you? Go find what works for you. So there is enough free information and enough, I think, individual support, like the Facebook group, the Facebook obesity code group and other groups online where people support each other. And that's really what happened to me last night. And those things are available to you for free. I had a couple of people post to me yesterday, Eve, I really want to get on a plan. Like what should I pay or whatever? And I'm like, look, here is my site. It is free information. It's not a plan. It's, it's, it's information. So you can do this and, and have the support you need and not pay for it. It is possible, it is realistic, it exists. Sometimes some people want more support. They want help around medications, understanding how things work particularly to their body. They need somebody to talk to. They wanna be in certain groups for specific, maybe diabetes or maybe cancer or maybe you know whatever they wanna do and they have the money to pay for it. And so Megan, can you tell people a little bit more about the fasting method and, and what you do for people and how it actually works? 
Yeah, so we have our, our online program. It's called the Capacity Method. Um, we have three different levels of educational courses for people to take. Uh, we have a beginner uh, fasting and eating course. So if you're new to this lifestyle or just getting back on track or want a refresher, it's a great course. Uh, then we have our intermediate courses, which are all sort of disease specific or goal oriented. So any anywhere from weight loss, PCOS, diabetes to wellness and longevity. And then we have our advanced course, uh, which is going up slowly. Um, it's high level science for people who really want a deeper understanding of what insulin resistance is, what autophagy is, um, and really sort of optimizing their recovery and their health uh, in the long term. And those, all the advanced courses have been done by Dr. Fung himself, and they're all courses that he prepared for other doctors. So you go from just the basics, so this is fasting and this is how you do it, all the way to the nitty gritty science. Um, every week there's a lesson with a quiz and action points to help you start to incorporate the tools taught in that lesson into your lifestyle. Um, but you don't have to wait to do them every week. You can do them all at once, but every Monday you'll get an email in your inbox. Um, so it's not just an online course to, you know, we have a lot of printable handouts and uh, fasting regimens that you can download, but we have a lot of interactive things too. So we have focus groups that are customized. We have behavioral focus groups. So if you're struggling with food cravings or food addiction or just mental hurdles with fasting and family or intermittent fasting, extended fasting, fasting for beginners, men, women, exercise, we have all these different focus groups and they're all led by our fasting coaches. So you can jump in a focus group to a topic that relates to you and connect with people that are doing exactly where you are. If you're brand new to fasting, you can pick the beginners fasting and the intermittent fasting and join a group and you'll be with a bunch of people that are just beginning or restarting their fasting journey and you'll be led by one of the coaches. Um, we have a group fast going on weekly. Um, it, we cycle through beginner, intermediate, and advanced. So every month there's always a fast regardless of where you are in your fasting journey. Or if you're an advanced faster and just wanna mix it up, you could join every week to mix up your fasting regimen and always keep things changing. Um, we also have a book club. Uh, it's led by Coach Larry, and we've got our January book um, is uh, Nina Tyholtz, The Big Fat Surprise, and she's actually going to be a guest on it. So the book club um, meets every Friday with Larry and a special guest. Uh, sometimes it's the author of the book. Sometimes it's myself or Jason or one of our other fasting coaches. Um, this month we have Nina. We have the author of the book. We have Dr. Nadira Lee. He's a cardiologist, a low-carb cardiologist. Um, so we figured since having a book based on, you know, how fat is awesome, uh, we needed a cardiologist. We have Dr. Fung. We have myself. And then every month Dr. Fung and I do a live meetup where we just answer your questions about fasting and eating. Um, so every month you get to spend an hour with Dr. Fung answer and writing in your questions and he'll respond uh, live and uh, the same uh, once a month you'll have the same opportunity with myself. So it's not just an online learning course there's a lot of interaction and it's $39 a month. Um, you know, a lot of people say it's a little bit pricey for a membership compared to some other memberships out there. Um, you know, 
we have to meet all these HIPAA guidelines and all this other kind of nonsense. So it actually costs us a lot of money to run this website every month. So we do have to charge a fee. Um, that covers our bottom line and helps us grow uh, to be able to provide more and more education and support to everybody. Uh, you know, Dr. Fung says if you fast and miss a meal out a week, it sort of helps compensate for the monthly costs uh, right there. Um, and then if you're someone that just needs more support um, and doesn't have time to go through this and join all these meetings, uh, you can work with one of our fasting coaches one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I sort of liken it to, you know, I spend 120 hours of my week researching, spending time with patients and clients, traveling and educating healthcare professionals. And then I got these dogs and I wanted to feed them raw dog food and knew nothing about it. So I could sift through all the Facebook groups or I could buy a book and read it or I could have done, there's actually an online dog nutrition program, but I didn't have the time for that because what I was doing, you know, was in my career didn't allow it. So I hired a dog nutritionist to educate me a couple of times for 30 minutes on how to feed my dogs a healthy, balanced, raw diet. Um, so a lot of people in the coaching program, you, you might have more health concerns and you're nervous about navigating fasting on your own. So our coaches can customize a plan for you. Or if you're just someone who's too busy to go through all this stuff and has been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, um, then you can just jump in and a coach will say, do A, B, C, and D. We'll meet in a week, we'll reevaluate it, we'll see what's working, and they'll educate you on specifically what you need to know so you don't have to sift through all the information and guess for yourself. Megan, thank you so much for sharing that. Guys, if you want more information, you can check out thefastingmethod.com. Um, it's certainly been a huge help for me. So I'm um, back to my questions now. And also, Megan, I want to get that information about the dog uh, stuff because Levi and I were talking about that this morning <laughs> with Holly. But anyway, all right, information now. A person sent in a question that I thought was interesting. Um, she said that she's heard Dr. Fung talk about Knox gelatin before. And she was curious if instead of having bone broth during a fast, she could have Knox gelatin. So I, I mean, like, that has no flavor. Like, what is Knox gelatin? So it's just, um, it's just collagen, uh, more or less, uh, and, and glycine. Um, I mean, you could have it. It, it, it would definitely inhibit, uh, well, there's a big debate amongst fasting experts um, out there whether it inhibits autophagy or it promotes autophagy. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you could have it. It's just protein. Essentially, you're taking in protein. Um, I would recommend it to uh, women in particular who might uh, be starting fasting with Hashimoto's thyroiditis or hypothyroidism. Um, if you already are experiencing hair thinning because of other health issues like a thyroid disorder, it can definitely help prevent fasting perhaps from causing any hair thinning as well. Um, but you just need to be mindful that you are taking the glycine and the protein, it might impact autophagy, it might impact skin uh, removal from fasting. So there's some question marks there. Um, Would you compare you, it to bone broth or you feel like it's different from bone broth? Yeah, I'd absolutely compare it to bone broth. Um, it's like bone broth without all of the electrolytes and the nutrients, um, but with some of the protein. That makes sense. Okay. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Now we're going to talk about the fun. Oh, wait, one more question before that. How does fat, somebody sent in, how does fasting affect menopause? 
So <laughs> when women burn body fat, uh, they release estrogen from fat cells. Um, so sometimes women will actually start to get periods again because their estrogen previously like postmenopausal women tend to be more on the estrogen depleted side of things um, so when you see estrogen levels go up you might get your period back again it might be short term or it might be long term I've worked with some women that now have consistently had a menstrual cycle for four years and they're in their 70s um, so that's, that's <laughs> um, and it can also affect your mood. And I've worked with women where it positively affects their mood or the hormonal shift negatively affects their mood. I think even when we did the 10 day fast last year at this time, um, you were losing quite a lot of weight and like it was an emotional emotional 10 day fast. And I would attribute that very to the estrogen. And just saying <laughs> I was crazy during the 10 day fast. Yes, Megan, emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but so the estrogen but sometimes the estrogen people are so deficient in it before like well they're postmenopausal that they actually start to feel a lot better they have increased sex drive and um they start to feel young again um but for some women who aren't too estrogen depleted you know that are postmenopausal the release of estrogen and seeing it go up a little bit too much can make them not experience a little bit of estrogen dominance side effects so where they're feeling a little bit moody anxious or depressed um and are a bit more emotional. So that's, uh, that's one of the things we see with postmenopausal women. Usually though, it, it depends on how much weight you have to lose and it's more so during extended fasts that you're likely to experience that versus intermittent fasting. Got it. Thank you so much, Megan. Uh, guys, we're going to wrap up. You can find out more about Megan at thefastingmethod.com. You can find out more about me at fastinglane.com. If you're looking for all these videos, they are at fasting.fyi forward slash T-H-R-E-E. -E. And please check out Megan and Dr. Fung and I's book coming out. It's available yeah. for pre-order, which is Life in the Fasting Lane. And you can find it basically everywhere, including Amazon. So the one last question, seven o'clock tonight, Megan, tell people a little bit about how you suggest they break their fast. And then I'm going to talk about my stomach of steel and how I plan <laughs> to break my fast. So you either have a stomach or steel or you don't. That's what I've learned in all my years working with people. Um, the big things are to avoid nuts and to avoid eggs as things to break your fast. And I do know the Complete Guide to Fasting, which was written eons ago, um, suggests those items. We have since had a change of heart about those food items. So avoid nuts, avoid eggs. Um, if you do have a sensitive stomach as it is, uh, try to avoid tough meats to digest, so pretty much beef. Stick more to poultry and fish. Um, and if you're a vegetarian or a vegan or an omnivore, try to eat your vegetables cooked rather than raw. So, um, so if you do have a sensitive tummy, no nuts, no eggs, uh, no beef or tough to digest meat, poultry, fish, and cooked vegetables. And you can use fat in the cooking process, such as olive oil or ghee or coconut oil. That's not a problem at all. So those things, just nuts and eggs are, are the biggies. That's where we've seen the most issues uh, with the breaking the fast. So some people have a, a 
tummy that's a tank. Um, some people do have more digestive issues. Um, so if you do find that you experience diarrhea when breaking your fast, um, next time you break a fast, try having um, some water with some psyllium husk in it. You just take a glass of water, and it was as bigger than a glass of water. Add in one or two tablespoons of psyllium husk, let it sit for about 15 to 30 minutes, and then drink that about half an hour before you have your meal. Sometimes that's not enough, and I've actually learned um, from uh, the focus groups that I run online, when someone recommended a great trick of just having a really fatty yogurt um, and with some flaxseed and some uh, chia seeds or psyllium husk in it. And the probiotics in that fatty yogurt really seem to help um, get the body into good shape for digesting too. Um, so those are just some of my, my tips. I love it. Um, I've done this a few times and I always break my fast with bacon. Always, <laughs> always, immediately bacon because I miss it when I'm not eating. And then I will follow it 30 minutes later with a sous vide finished in butter ribeye. So <laughs> you do have a, a solid stomach. I've always broken my fast with bacon, like almost yeah. always. <laughs> so. Then a steak. And then if I'm still hungry, there's an avocado in the fridge. So I'm I'm super happy. Okay. Um, I have gone, we started this, I was 191.8. This morning I was 189.8. So we're two pounds. Is that right? Yeah, two pounds down. Super good with math. Um, two pounds <laughs> down. I'm really happy with that. Um, feeling good. And I will be back with Megan tomorrow at 10 a.m. Central Time. And we will be, that will be our final day. Um, send me your questions. Uh, one of the questions I have that I'll be asking tomorrow is how soon can I fast again? Man, you people are ambitious. I like it. Um, we'll, we'll talk to Megan about that. And any other questions you have, send it our way. And guys, to your health and hotness. And Megan, <laughs> Happy fasting, everyone. <laughs> All right, bye, y'all. Thank you, Megan. Bye. bye.